What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. We're going to talk to Kimi Kang, CEO of Alchemist Beauty, on employee burnout and keeping it together in the workplace. So I'm a native Brooklynite. I'm from Bed-Stuy. How did I get to this point? Well, (laughs) my life story is a a bit complicated, but I am like a real New Yorker. I went to school in the city. Um, Eventually, I went and did an international MBA in Barcelona, Spain. I came back to the city. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then I was like, oh, no, I need to like have health insurance and stuff. So I started working for a couple of different organizations that are private within um, the city. And then I wanted to do the entrepreneurial thing again. So that's how I'm here. Now, real quick, can you just like, let me know, how is it being a a business owner, you know, and and just running your own for years, you worked in education and the corporate sector. Now you're running your own business. Like, how does that change your mindset? So it's really, really difficult. Um, It's a lot of feeling Honestly, I started it and stopped and started it and stopped a couple of times. And that presents a a huge feeling of overwhelm when you have a lot of things that you want to do, some of which are legal compliance issues because you want to stay within the bounds of the law. Other things are just operational, the the financial aspects and then marketing the business plans. Um, If you're doing it alone, as I am and have been, it becomes a lot. And then it makes you want to go back into the the corporate world, private sector, government, whatever the case is, because it's nice when you have the backing of a different organization, the funding of a different organization, and you have a bit of autonomy. But when everything's on your shoulders, boy, that's when things can get really real. (laughs) So we know you're going to talk about burnout. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to talk about burnout today. Um, so I'm going to give the online definition of burnout before we start so that um, everybody is familiar with it, becomes familiar with it. Psychology today characterizes burnout as emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion that can lead to cynicism, depression, and lethargy. And these side effects can impact someone's success in the workplace, leading to a loss of meaning or identity in relation to one's work. Some of the symptoms that we may see when we have burnout is um, being irritated by coworkers, customers, or clients, poor sleep habits, a lack of motivation, lack of energy to be consistently productive, uh, just being very um, negative about your job and your work, having difficulty concentrating, not being satisfied with achievements when they happen, Um, unexplained headaches and stomach aches. And, you know, I've experienced some of these things at previous jobs, not this job because I love it. Um, Full disclaimer, full disclaimer. Yes, yes, at old jobs. But um, so Kimi, can you tell us about your experience with workplace burnout? Wow, so 
I love this topic because I've experienced it so many times in the workplace and even beforehand um, in business school, I, I definitely had burnout. So I think as New Yorkers in general, we're a little desensitized to like being tired <laughs> and being annoyed, right? Because we're always inundated with a whole bunch of different people who are always around. And then, you know, we're, we're picking up on different emotions. You might go into work, it's eight o'clock in the morning, somebody's fighting on the train or something like that. So um, I remember specifically when I knew I was really burnt out is when I couldn't sleep. And I started crying in the mornings when I, I knew that I had to get up and go somewhere. This is probably, to notice it then, is probably an extreme case, right? Because I didn't want to process that this is probably what's happening. I just felt stressed and overwhelmed. And, you know, we get used to feeling that way. But um, it got really, really bad. And I, I decided I needed to have a therapist. I needed to find an outlet um, in order to work through whatever it was that I was feeling and, and try to have an action plan, you know, around it. That Those are very good points. Um, again, in previous jobs, I I realized I was experiencing burnout because I, I love the work that I do, but I would find myself crying at work because it was just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, so I get it. And yeah, and being in New York and traveling on the trains and all of the dramatics, you know, kind of adds on to that. Um, you kind of answered this question, but I'm going to, um, if you can share a little bit more on how you manage your own burnout in the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think that because I was late to the party, as far as processing that it even existed, it was harder to manage it before I went ahead with like therapy, right? Because you can talk in therapy about a whole bunch of different things and not necessarily know what the cause of the problems or the, you know, your experiences are. Um, I think to be honest with you, I did a little quiet quitting <laughs> because I had to not engage as much with the people around me who were definitely getting on my nerves. Um, but, I had to make sure that the core duties that I had were being taken care of and I was being responsible with them. Um, one of the things that I did notice that I had to do was to take walks during the day and then sometimes even after work. I remember one day I, I walked like six or seven miles home because I just knew that I had to physically decompress. So one of the things that I think is really helpful is, you know, some form of exercise, even if it's just walking, that's fine. So that you can have a, a physical, you know, you're somatizing, you need to make sure that you're getting your feelings out that way, as well as doing things that add joy to your life. So talking is good. You know, I do recommend therapy in general. But you can't just talk about like sad stuff all the time. You have to make sure you're doing something that makes you happy. I used to do coloring books, like full adult, had the crayons and the colored pencils out because just for that moment, I could lay on the floor with, <laughs> you know, like little kids do. And it made me happy because I was concentrating on something in the moment that was just totally outside of those things. And if it's five minutes, you know, that's fine too, but just something that's making you happier. Yeah, I agree. I um, I have coloring books too. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, I have coloring You're lying, books too. Because I've never seen you color. Not at work, just mind your business. <laughs> <All right. laughs> See, no. And I paint, I paint. Actually, I, like I have a whole beauty 
painting blankets. At work or at home? At home. I'm making sure because you said you got coloring books at work. I want a coloring book. No, no, no. Maybe you'll get one. (laughs) I know, right? My prize for being on the show with her. Yes. Um, So you see how Greg supports me and asks me questions about, you know, the, the stuff that I do. So do you think that employers have become more aware of burnout? Okay, so the reality is every sector is different, every company is different. And I think that ultimately there's a difference between the HR floor that might be fully aware of all of this and then, you know, whoever the managers are. And that's so individualized. Yes, are companies more aware? Yes, because there are scientific studies and like this is something that's spoken about often. But does it mean that there's action being taken? Not always, for sure, for sure. That's a good point. And, you know, the point of this discussion is to become aware and create awareness and um, for managers to have more empathy um, for their employees, um, you know, as a whole when it comes to burnout and to be able to recognize it when they see it. I had a manager in the past come to me and be like, hey, you look really bad. Um, is something going on? And, you know, and it wasn't an offensive way. Um, okay. I was looking really rough at the time because work was stressing me. Um, so um, that's that's how they approached me. And they were like, how can we help you? Yeah. And even our um, manager now, our boss, Athena, she's very helpful and she has a lot of empathy. And I think, um, you know, managers can learn a lot um, from that. It, there needs to be more like training on being empathetic and kind of understanding the environment and reading the room with your employees. So I have a couple of thoughts on that because yes, I do think that in general, people need to have more empathy toward one another. I also think that specific training has to be had because I've definitely had instances where you're not sure if the, if the people who you're managing are taking advantage of the situation. Um, And you can't say, oh, how you feel is not real or anything like that, but there is still work to be done. Mm -hmm. So if there's better training on how do we manage preemptive employee burnout, you know, and then how do we make sure that workloads are still allocated in a way that at least the core functions that are necessary are being completed? You know, even if it's, an idea where maybe amongst a team, things are distributed differently depending upon who's feeling however type of way at a particular point in time. I think managers are also people. We also have to take that into consideration and they're not necessarily well-equipped to deal with their own burnout. So it's a conversation that probably has to be really 360, to be honest with you, but everybody needs somebody <laughs> or see, a team I, I, I tell Shaq that all the time every every time I see her, I'm like everybody needs somebody she's like well I don't need you I'm like okay I'm gonna go over to my section I don't with, say that yes you that do voice. which leads me into our segue of respect Shaq <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T I respect you I respect everyone you say that now um but yeah and please disclaimer if you are one of like Shaq's former supervisors and you're like did I burn you out nah mm -mm, she done moved on boo boo she leveled up she (laughs) up in here now it's the Grire workshop Mm -hmm. it's Grire project and we do workshops and series but you listening to the podcast but let's get into this R-E-S-P-E-C-T 
Now, I think that respect factors into burnout. Let's let's be for real. And, and I'm going to cite some numbers. I like to cite the numbers, y'all. So uh, a recent, I'm going to say recent. I'll have to say recent because this wasn't done 10 years ago. This was done in the past like two or three years. But a recent Pew Research Center survey finds that low pay, a lack of opportunities for advancement, and feeling disrespected at work were top reasons why Americans quit their jobs last year. All right? And we're talking about 2021. So majority of the workers who were surveyed, they said that they quit their job in 2021 because they felt disrespected at work. And that was 57% of them. And that was based on this survey. So let me ask y'all, you know, how do you create safe spaces in the workplace to like cultivate conversations around respect? Because that can lead to to, to burnout in itself, if you if you know what I mean. Well, they always say that people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. But I think that if you're in a job where the pay is low and you're being treated like you're dispensable, disposable, then um, yeah, the attitude is going to be like, I don't have to take this or tolerate this because people have a lot more options nowadays, right? So like this conversation may not have been the same 30 years ago as it is today. You can make money and do things that you love and, and you know, um, easily. Right now is a time of transition. When you feel like who you come to work as when you're actually doing your work, uh, more is expected of you or you're being spoken in a way that you don't feel like your humanity is being embraced, of course you're going to leave because you know that you have options. This puts us in a very, very interesting space because a lot of people, especially, you know, different structures, I wouldn't say that it's an age thing automatically, um, but different structures, they're not used to that pushback. The different structures that exist now have to be reevaluated. When people want to feel like they're coming to work, they're doing their work, they're being respected for their work, and then they can leave without feeling like they're being you know, degraded as a person, that's what it has to be. To create safe spaces for that, I think, you know, I'm all about that conversation. This is what the culture is. This is what the culture is within the organization. This is what the culture is within the department. It may be within even like if you're occupying um, a certain cubicle space or something. You have to understand what that looks like and then place people appropriately from the beginning, I think, and then make um, advancements as they can change. I think those are really good points um, regarding the culture and just kind of shifting the workplace culture to be able to have these conversations at work about burnout. Um, you know employees should be comfortable with going to their managers and being like, hey, you know, my workload is a bit too much. Can we do something? Can we create a plan to kind of take some of it off or, you know, work through it? Can you help me? Or I'm just tired. Um, you know, it was a rough day. Do you mind if I take a walk or something like that? People should not be afraid to say things uh, like that. Um, okay, so, uh, so I'm going to move on to the next question and you know this is a DEI podcast diversity equity inclusion um podcast so what why should a discussion about burnout be a part of the DEI conversation um 
So we were talking offline before this podcast even started, and we were citing the, the numbers and how it affects different ethnic and racial groups. The reality is, if we're looking at it from a socioeconomic perspective, the people who probably are apt to get burnt out more quickly, as Greg just alluded to, right, are people who are in lower paying jobs. And, um, you know, unfortunately, what it is, is this affects black and brown people more, right? And it has to be included in the conversation because a part of creating equity is creating a, a space where people are given the opportunity to thrive regardless of who they are and what they're coming with, right? Burnout affects people who are used to being burned out and don't know it. And I think that this is a conversation. Again, we're in the city. It's like a high energy environment, but there are some communities where it's normal to see people super stressed out, where it's normal to see, you know, chain smoking. I don't know if people still do it, but we all remember this. Everyone who's working remembers, you know, seeing this or just growing up, looking at people with faces that seem like, yeah, you look bad. Yeah. What is going on? These conversations are really important because a lot of black and brown people, it's changing. But a lot of black and brown people do not like the concept of going to therapy, right? If we can address it within the space of DEI, then it's a small transition into what is therapeutic, right? I think it's just a necessary conversation because it, it targets and hits on um, the population that we want to see win. Thank you. I think those are really good points. And you know, a lot of us do experience burnout, um, women especially, mm -hmm. um, DEI professionals like us, um, trying to get out the point across and trying to do the work, we experience burnout. And I think that's why it should be a part of um, DEI, um, the conversation. Thank you so much for this, Kimi. Um, I'm closing out with this quote, being overwhelmed means that your life or work is overpowering you. Regain control by clarifying your intentions, setting realistic expectations, and focusing on your next step. That was a quote by Daphne Michaels. The Grier Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov backslash DSS.